as my mentor, BPAC Fitness, would tell you, like, there are no shortcuts. There really are not. We love to think that there are. We love to think that the nootropics and the keto fast and like all this stuff is going to sort us out quicker, but it's just about like understanding yourself and doing the hard work and it just, it takes time. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyberg, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Ashley Van Houten. You pronounced it right. I know. I had to to listen to someone else's (laughs) podcast this morning just to double check, which I loved. You have two podcasts, not one, but two. Author, coach, speaker, interviewer of badass women all over the world. And uh, I'm so excited to sit down and get to the nitty gritty. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm having some thoughts about the research that someone did <laughs> on me. Because first of all, I just think of it. Usually I'm the one asking the question, so I'm the one doing the research. And I just never consider that anyone would like in any capacity, like Google or look at anything that I do or am about online. So I'm like, oh shit, someone like tried to find me online. What did you see? Was it scary? Was it bad? But anyway, we'll see. So into like it. the past week, someone has literally been stalking you and you didn't even know. I love it. I love it. That's <laughs> what the internet's for. So you entered this world of health and wellness from a place of pure love and curiosity versus necessity, right? Like most of us are struggling with something. And I think that natural curiosity is a really important trait in a human being. Like, where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. I'm very fortunate and very lucky that I, and I'm just like knocking on everything here, but I didn't really have any major like health issues or any kind of um, body issues or anything that sort of brought me to fitness. Like I needed it to fix me. I did it because I loved it. And because I, as long as I can remember, I always just really had a thing for strength, like strong people and people doing things that were just incredible. That seemed superhuman. I just was always drawn to it. So I always talk about like when I was a kid, I watched, I had an older brother too, which, which helped, but I watched a lot of like strong man stuff. And like, I was obsessed with American gladiators and like, you know, like I was like a nine-year-old girl watching like strong man competitions with like a bunch of giant, like Russian dudes, like lifting boulders. Like I, I don't I don't know. I was just into it. It always appealed to me. And I always like knew that I wanted to try to do that stuff. And so when I got older, I kind of, it just sort of like sort of naturally happened. But the curiosity part is first of all, super necessary for my job because doing what I do and I'm researching and talking to cool people like you for the podcast and all the stuff that I do, I have to, I have to really be naturally curious and interested. And I've always been that way. I'm always asking questions of people. I always want to know what people's lives are like and how they think and how they operate. And I don't, I can't really say where it came from. I know that I was always a huge book nerd. Like I read like voraciously for as long as I could remember. I was super young, just reading books that were probably really not appropriate for the age that I was at. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was just something that was probably instilled by my parents and my mom. I know she really encouraged me to read and to learn. And I think that that was just, it was always there. I can't really explain it, but I'm glad that it was. Yeah. Cause I think there's some people that will like approach a challenge or a problem and they'll get a certain number of steps and they'll be like, okay, I'm good. But for example, you, CrossFit strongman, Olympic lifting certifications, powerlifting, natural figure competitor, like all these different ways of strength training really shows that curiosity. You're not just like, oh, I just do kettlebells and that's it, you know? I used to think it was a bad thing because I never sort of I mean, I don't want to say I'm not disciplined or I can't stick to something, but I never, like I, I interview people for a living who are like the best in the world at something and dedicated their entire life to like one thing and perfecting it and being the best in the world. And there's a part of me sometimes that thinks like, man, like that's pretty awesome. That takes, that takes a next level of dedication that I don't think I have. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I love interviewing like super high performers so much. Cause I'm like, you got a little something that I don't think I have. I don't think I could stick to one thing, even if I loved it and just perfect it in the millions of hours that it takes. I was always kind of more of just a generalist. Like I pick things and I explore them and I research and I work really hard and I kind of like hit 
sometimes like a level that's like good enough. Like I remember with CrossFit, I started like repping out muscle ups. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good now. Like, not like I'm going to stop and never do it again, but I'm like, I feel pretty good about it. And like, I got like a double body weight deadlift, which is in the world of powerlifting. Isn't that great? But I felt pretty good about it. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. Like, I don't want to break my back anymore. I'm good. And the bodybuilding thing, I made it to nationals. I did quite well. That's probably the sport I was the best at. And then sort of the next level required a commitment, both with like basically pharmaceuticals and also my time and energy that I just kind of wasn't prepared to do. But I've learned to look sort of at the bright side of it and, and think that there's a lot to be gained from being a generalist and, and being willing to be adaptable and change and do different things and not kind of get stuck in a rut, which can happen sometimes. And I also think that one of the reasons why maybe I embrace these physical challenges as much as I do is because I'm so fortunate that I grew up in such a, I don't know, a healthy way and I, I didn't really want for anything and I didn't have to work too hard to, to get the, like my basic needs met. And so I had to really go out of my way to experience a lot of discomfort and challenge. And a lot of us are living very easy lives. We don't really have to do it, you know? And it's so cushy, right? And it's even hard (laughs) sometimes to recognize it because when you're in it, you know, you're like late for work and it's like, oh, my life is ruined. Or like, you know, you, I couldn't get on Instagram today. And I was like so angry about it because there's something going on with Instagram. I know. And then I, I literally immediately was like, what is wrong with you? Like you're really freaking out because you can't get on Instagram right now. So anyway, long story short, I think that I was able, I'm fortunate that I was able to recognize like your life's pretty good. You've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of ability here. Like do some things that make you uncomfortable because it's fun and you learn about yourself and you learn about life and you get better. And that's what I'm, yeah, I'm still working on that. Which is amazing because most people who have the good life kind of just cruise and see how they can, how long they can milk it for. Well, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice to, to be in that sometimes. And I try not to be one of those people who kind of is like push and succeed at all costs. Like I, you'll never see me being like, I'm so busy and how do I do it all? Like I'm not, I'm not that busy. Like, you know, I keep myself, I'm working, I'm working hard. I'm like learning, I'm doing new things, I'm traveling, but like, I'm not, I'm not burning the candle at both ends. Like I, I'm trying to have a balanced life where I relax and I work hard and I enjoy both of those things equally. Is it easier to do that not being in New York City? No, I actually think it's easy to kind of like chill and have a good time in New York. I will say, because I do divide my time, I'm here and then I'm in Canada, but I'm still, I mean, I'm not, Ottawa's not exactly like, New York or Toronto or whatever, but it's like, it's not a small town either. It's a big city. And I do feel like when I'm in New York for a long time, I, I do want to get away a little bit, but I'm still deeply in love with the place. Like I am still totally into the like summer hot garbage smell and like sweating my balls <laughs> off. Like I'm still totally into it. Maybe not forever, but like right now, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So you kind of touched on the point of being like this idea of flexibility, adaptable, resilient. And you talk about being metabolically flexible, which I just saw you at, was it KetoCon? And I was like, is that what she's diving into now? Is this, because I know you have like the primal blueprint, like more of a paleo. So what does it mean for you to be metabolically flexible? Because I know you train clients, you do coaching, and you probably bring, instill all of those ideas into your your clients that you work with. Yeah, it's a good question. And I actually, it's it's feeling quite topical right now because I did just get back from keto cotton. It kind of um, solidified a couple beliefs that I already had. And I feel like I have them even stronger now and I don't want to piss off any keto people, but it's that I'm not really like into keto that much. (laughs) Um, But I have done a lot of research on it and I have experimented myself and I think it's a very valuable tool for some people sometimes. I think this idea of metabolically flexible is really important for most people who, again, want to like perform and look good, but also live their life. And you have to be able to kind of like be flexible and roll with the punches. And if things come up and if you have a birthday and if you eat cake and if you travel a long time, you don't eat for 20 hours. Like you have to be able to kind of do all of it. You don't want to be so reliant on whatever your diet methodology is that you fall apart if you don't have it because stuff always comes up, right? So the KetoCon thing was interesting. Like, do you kind of care about this stuff or you just sort of eat intuitively? Like, do you have like sort of approach that you do? I follow the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Yeah, eat <laughs> meat. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, like high protein. I used to be vegan, vegetarian, How raw. did that work for you? It, my... 
I felt like a crazy, it was like my insulin and glucose were like up, down, up, down, like all day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also subscribe, like that's one of the reasons why Gabrielle and I got along like immediately because we were both just like eat some steak, but yeah. So anyway, I think that a great framework for like 99.9% of the world to start is paleo. You don't have to call it paleo, but it's, or whole 30 or just a whole foods approach. Because if you cut out most of processed food, like you're so far ahead of the game, period. Don't care about counting your macros or whether you're in ketosis or how much protein you're just eat like real food that feels good to you. Because even if you and I are both doing paleo, it's probably going to look very different. Like I always tell people there's like sort of plant-based paleo that people are into, which is like almost vegetarian with like a little sprinkling of protein here and there. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like carnivore paleo. Like my plate will usually be like a hunk of meat and then some like delicious things on the side a little bit, you know, and that's what works for me. And I've done a lot of work experimenting with myself and how I feel and and what works. But the keto thing is kind of interesting because it, because it does have such significant effects on certain people. So generally people who maybe are are very overweight and then there's some other issues like people who have diabetes and even Alzheimer's and things like that has such significant improvements that it sort of seems like, okay, well, if that's point A, point B is everybody should do it, blanket, and then we should all get off carbs and that's going to be better. And I just don't think it's reasonable or appropriate for everybody. And the ironic thing, I feel like I'm like talking so much shit about this conference. And I really liked it because I, I learned a lot and I met some great people that I had never met in person and it was very valuable. But like the, the expo, like the show floor with all the like the food companies and stuff, like fully 99% of them were like sweet, like cookies and cakes and bars and stuff. And anybody who knows me, this, I don't know if this is in your research, but like, I love sweets. Like I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world. (laughs) And even I was walking around this place, like what the hell is going on? Cause I feel like with keto, like some of the biggest selling points are that you kind of can get away from this dependence on sweets and sugar and carbs, which is what sugar is. And you don't need to eat as much and you can kind of go longer without eating and you, you aren't so like beholden to your cravings and, and stuff like that. And then it's like, but here's like 800 like really, really dense like chocolate brownie bars with like four different types of sugar in them. But it won't raise your blood glucose. So cool. You know, so anyway, my kind of like rant afterwards was I just I just feel like if we again go back to a more like what's nourishing your body versus what a glucose monitor or a scale is going to tell you. And you can certainly eat keto and be very healthy and you can have a whole foods approach to keto, but we just tend to like always look for the shortcut. The shortcut being, I don't know, like just eat a chocolate bar that happens to be keto and then don't eat for 10 hours. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent here, but. So I feel the same way about like the bulletproof, the biohacking kind of uh, community. Cause it's like, do I need a bottle of nootropics and a bar that has MCT oil drizzled all over it, or should I just like eat, eat a little bit of steak and feel better? Yeah. You know, so it's like I always go back to if I feel like super, I'm like, why do I hate everyone today? Kind of feeling, how was my sleep? How did I eat? Yeah. Did I move my body? Yeah. And like, if I haven't checked those three boxes, I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole of yeah. The nootropic thing is funny too, because I I can definitely understand people like having a cup of coffee or having certain, like a little cocktail of like antioxidants or certain adaptogens that kind of give you like a little boost. I totally get it. But my reaction has always been, and I don't want to sound smug when I say it, because I don't, I'm not in perfect health every minute of every day, but I'm like, do you guys really need that much help getting your brain to work every day? Like, if you have your lifestyle sorted out, you probably most of the time don't need to feel cognitively enhanced because you're sorted out. Like I, I'm like, I don't really feel like I need to supercharge my brain generally, but I mean, that's a whole other topic. But going back to the metabolically flexible thing, one thing that I have worked on because I did have a background, I've been eating sort of paleo for at least like a decade now, but sometimes that's higher carb. And before that I was eating like standard American diet, whatever. I just like crushed cereal in high school. Like, you know, um, <laughs> and I went through and then I did like the zone thing when zone was super big and CrossFit, which is essentially sort of accounting your macros thing. And then bodybuilding, which actually ended up being like quite high protein and high carb and like almost zero fat, which I gotta say worked for me, but it again, I consider it, it was like a tool. It was a tool for getting lean. It wasn't like, I want to do this for the rest of my life, but it was really effective. But you had a cycle in it. I mean, you couldn't do it for the rest of your life. You'd be like, 
yeah, hormones would probably be, would be like... horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and even so, even then, I was like a more moderate version. So when I say no fat, I'm talking like probably what most average people's fat is in a, in a day, but like compared to like maybe paleo or keto people, it was quite low. But anyway, I wanted to know, as I was saying kind of earlier, I wanted to know that I could kind of switch in and out. And if I want to eat like a super high fat diet for a couple of weeks, cause I'm traveling and that's what they've got there and I'm into it. Or if I want to go a day without eating, cause like I said, I'm traveling and I don't want to eat on a plane or I just want to know that I can do it because there were definitely times in my life where if I wasn't eating every three hours, like it was a problem. You're like, I'm going to go kill someone. It was a problem. Yeah. So I'm quite proud that that's something that I've been working on over the past probably year or two to the point where every once in a while I'll do a 24-hour fast or I'll go an entire week and eat carnivore or I'll, you know, go back to bodybuilding styles and just be like oatmeal and rice every day. And like, I really can, and I'm not testing my blood. I'm not wearing like a a CGM or whatever, but I, I know how I feel and I know that it works. And so that's something that I've been like really paying attention to and like working hard because I think it, it all goes back to what's sustainable and what works best for you and being able to kind of slip in and out of things depending on my goals is, is what I want. And yeah. it's been working. Yeah. So the other side of that is I'm curious how you train and I say train versus workout or exercise. Cause I think that's important, especially in maybe New York where it's like, what hit class am I going to go to? Or Everybody's what, exercising. What's that? Yeah, everyone's exercising. What's the next class on ClassPass versus like training towards something, which I think is important. So I know you probably share that same belief. I mean, can you tell me like in your own kind of philosophy, like the difference between training versus working out? That's a really timely question for me because I'm kind of like on the cusp. I'm sort of like teetering on the edge of, of both. And it's actually been a little bit problematic, but it's funny that you're, you mentioned like class pass and how many like boutique fitness gyms there are in New York. Cause I swear it was like when I first moved here in like 2009, everyone was kind of rolling their eyes at like, everything's a cupcake, a cupcake store now. And I'm like, now everything's a boutique gym. Totally. Like literally every <laughs> block has like four different types of boutique gyms. It's crazy. Like $43, like spin classes. Like it's New York, man. Won't bet, won't bet an eye. Like $40 Holy. for a 45 minute drop in. Okay. It's crazy. And on <laughs> one hand, it's like from people who, again, like doing different things and learning and trying new things. It is kind of cool. Like you can go to like, like just name a weird concept and there's a gym yeah. here. Like it's kind of cool. Like it's kind of fun. <laughs> like the trampoline class. Yeah. And then there's like one where you're like literally hooked up to like, um, e-stim while yeah. you're working out. They like and zap like, your muscles. Yes. yes. Totally. And then there's the cold one, the burn. Yeah. yeah which I actually did. And oh. it, was, it was kind of all right. But anyway, yeah. What you were saying, the difference between training and exercising, I have actually spent probably the last, I would say, solid two years of my life exercising. And while I can keep it up forever, cause I love being in the gym and I love having muscles. It's like it very recently kind of hit a boiling point because I haven't had an official workout goal since I won nationals in natural figure. And that was, yeah. So it was like two and a half years ago. And that was my last like sort of big goal where I was training for a specific thing and there was an end date. And then Afterwards, I was like, you know what? I want to take a break and I want to like just do things for fun and that's cool. And that sort of devolved into just me like going to the gym and like going through the motions, like bodybuilding styles, which again, fine for a little while, but I was really kind of struggling with like, I need a goal. I need to have something. And then I would question myself and be like, well, what's your problem? Like, can't you just work out for the sake of it? Why do you have to have a goal? But I mean, I think we know, and from talking to so many sort of like high achieving and, and ambitious people that like, it is absolutely healthy to have a goal you need to pick a healthy goal and you need to do it in a healthy way, but always having sort of something on the horizon is of course a very healthy way for your brain to work because we're goal oriented creatures. Right. So I've created a new one for this Ooh, summer. I love it. Um, so on and off for like the past few years, I've been very into, well, even longer than that, had a great respect and interest in jujitsu and sort of just martial arts in general. I'm a huge like UFC fan. I love watching it. And I've actually been like a UFC fan for probably like 15 years, at least probably 20 years, but I never, it's weird. I never connected. Like I should do this despite the fact that I tend to gravitate towards individual sports rather than team sports. Like I played a little soccer growing up or whatever, but it was swimming. It was powerlifting. It was bodybuilding. It was like all of these things where of course there's people helping you out, but it's still kind of like you take all the glory or the, whatever the opposite of that is. If you, if you 
mess up. Yeah. Anyway, so I've been on and off doing jujitsu and boxing and it's so much fun. I love it so much. I'm learning a skill. I'm getting stronger. It's extremely powerful. Those kind of, because you're learning how to defend yourself and take care of yourself and like knowing how to throw a proper punch. Like there's probably nothing that feels better than that. Like, it's just amazing. So you can never watch like a boxing video again. Cause you'd be like, Nope, your, uh, your like, punch form like is off. Yeah. Like, or like sports movies where you're like, come on, like you're not really doing, it. I mean, not that I'm any good, but like I've been, I've been doing it for a little while on and off, but yeah. the key word there is on and off because it's hard work. It's like very cortisol spiking. It's really intense. When I was doing jujitsu, like pretty regularly, it's like I'm covered in bruises at all times. Like, like can you do jujitsu on and off? My impression from the jujitsu people we see is they're like four times a week. If you want to get it down, you want to learn the form and you want to like kill it. And I'm like four times a week. Hold. Oh well, that's God. actually a good, an interesting point because I literally just interviewed for Shrug Collective for my Muscle Maven Radio, one of the podcasts that I host, the founder of a company called Society Nine. Her name's Lynn Lee and and Society9 is a company that makes combat gear and gloves for women specifically. Because mostly, and this is what I've done, we buy like size small men's gloves, which are probably a nightmare. And they're like pink because they're just like, let's just create a couple of these for women, whatever. And she actually developed like really, really research-based, thoughtful products that are like based on the real like biology, uh. physiology of our hands and stuff. It's super cool. But she, we had an interesting conversation about and this is, I, f I find this with like CrossFit and other sports too, but really even more so with like combat sports and martial arts where there's a conversation where you can't do it casually. It's like, if you yeah. do this, like the end game is competing. It's like getting a belt, yeah. it's doing this. And, and again, go back to goals. That's great. But if your goal is to go train jujitsu twice a week and have fun and like learn some things, that's a fantastic goal. So you're kind of right in that before when I was doing it on and off, like it's not ideal because you're kind of in and out of it and you aren't drilling as much and you aren't like kind of getting that muscle memory. But it was, if I had done it anymore, I would have been like a nightmare because it really was physically stressful in a way that even when I was bodybuilding and like working out two hours a day, it didn't have the same effect. Long story short. So this summer, what I'm doing is I'm going to rededicate and I'm only picking three months as a starting point. So a three month period where I'm going to exclusively train jujitsu and boxing. And to do that, I set some, some parameters in place for my success. And one of those was to halt my current, like my Globo gym memberships that I can't like wuss out and like go just like bench press instead. <laughs> Cause I totally will. Like I'll get up and be like, oh, I don't feel like rolling around with a sweaty stranger and like getting choked out. Like I'm not feeling it. So I'm just going to go to the gym and kind of half-ass my way through an aimless workout. And that's what I've been feeling for like the past little while. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to set some, some goals in place. And I, I haven't even set yet. Like, do I want to belt? Do I want to compete at some point? It's really just like, this is going to be my focus is learning a skill and, and working hard and enjoying it. So I just came before I came to meet you, I was at a boxing class here in the city that like almost killed me, but in a great way. It was great. What was it? What? So the gym, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called um, plug. They should be giving me money for this. I've been plugging it all day actually, <laughs> but the gym is called everybody fights. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, but that one said it's, it's not far. Yeah. And George Foreman's son started yeah, totally. it like super cool, but I love that place because they offer a bunch of different classes. So like going back to class pass and you have to pay a bunch of money and then like try to find the classes you like. Yeah. This one has a bunch of different options. So they even like they offer a yoga after you hit the, wow. you know, so it's great. Yeah. Cause then you like you get your cortisol up and you get it back down, but they've got like circuit classes, they've got sparring classes. So it's not just sort of boxer size, you're actually learning skills, but there also is sort of a circuit kind of class element too, if you're into that. What's the vibe? Is it like... Awesome. It's like the, it's of all the gyms I've been to in the city and I've been to a lot, it's, I like the vibe the most. Like the trainers are super fun. The music is good. It's not like, you know, some of the classes that rely a little too heavily on smoke and mirrors, like literally, like they've got like lights and like, you know, like it's a little bit too much almost. I'm like, are you guys trying to make up for something? It's not like that, but it does have like a very like upbeat, like fun vibe. So that's going to be, that's like my New York gym. And then I've got one in Ottawa that is like a martial arts gym that I'm going to be going to. So I will keep you posted. We'll see awesome. if I like turn into a killing machine by the end of the summer. That's my goal. <laughs> that's my quiet goal. But yeah, that's it. What are your thoughts on low impact exercise only? So I know there's a lot of, I mean, when we see it in the clinic is like women will look at a kettlebell or a weight and they'll be like, that's going to injure me. Like they probably have never picked up more than 
eight pounds in a physical weight form other than like their person, their groceries and their suitcase. Cause you've, you've always kind of come from the background of like watching strong men. And yeah. Like lift that thing. Who cares what hurts you? <laughs> like yeah, they were like, upset. where's Barbie's high heels? Yes. So like, what do you tell that woman? Or, cause I feel like one of my big things is like, you need strength. Like strength training is a non-negotiable and it's, it's a hard sell sometimes. Yeah, it is. And I, I sometimes forget that I'm in like a bit of a bubble where like, it's more normal for me to be around women and men who are really kind of out there with their, like their workouts and are really kind of challenging themselves. I forget that there are still so many women that are intimidated or just don't feel like they're being maybe included or spoken to in the conversation about like lifting heavy weights and some of the skill-based workouts and stuff. So it can be frustrating to me sometimes. And I still like probably once a month, get somebody coming up to me in the gym. They're like, oh, like what kind of workout should I do? So I don't get bulky. Like for real, that still happens. And I'll be like, Hey, do you, you can tell, you can tell me honestly, like, do you think I'm bulky? And they're like, no, that's why I like came up to ask you. And I'm like, I'm lifting the heaviest weights I possibly can all the time, dude. Like just try it. It's fine. But I think, I think one of the things in a more chill way, now that I'm getting older and I'm trying to be more chill and not yell things at people at the gym, one of the things, and this is kind of top of mind right now, because I was just speaking at KetoCon with one of my mentors. His name's Ben Pakulski. He's a he's a yeah. very famous former he's been on elite bodybuilder. Oh, yeah. good, good, yeah. good. Yeah, he's my favorite. And one of the things that I was talking to him about, like the thing that I feel very strongly about, and one of the things I want to do with my work and with my life and pass along to other people is the importance for women to have confidence. And one of the best ways to do that is through strength, through physical strength and realizing that. And I think one of the things that will help women feel less intimidated or more excited about more high impact or heavy lifting or strength-based workouts is the idea of competence first, right? Because you think like, well, I don't really know how to use this kettlebell. And like, you go in and you look at barbells and you're like, I don't know how to squat properly and it's scary and I'm going to hurt myself. Everything, every new skill is scary until you know how to do it, you know? And that that's not even just in the gym, that's in life. When you don't know how to use a computer program or whatever your thing that you're doing at work, I mean, it's scary until you know how to do it. And, you know, I always think back to going back to the bodybuilding thing. Like when I competed, the getting up on stage and like wearing nothing was literally the least scary part of it for me. And a lot of people are terrified of that, understandably. But my feeling was always, first of all, I'm not a super shy person. So, but my feeling was always that I did as much work as I possibly could leading up to that day. Like I did everything I could. So there's nothing left to do, but just sort of enjoy it. Like when you feel, and I feel the same way about public speaking. Some people are like that. I would literally, literally rather die than speak in front of hundreds of people. And I, I don't feel that way because I feel like if I prepare properly and I feel competent about what I'm doing or what I'm trying to communicate, I'm not scared anymore. So I think everyone can find a workout methodology that's going to work for them. Not everybody has to do powerlifting and not everybody has to, you know, lift super heavy weights, but I completely agree with you that women, we should at least look at some of this strength-based stuff more closely. And I think that if people had a way to do that, where they felt empowered and competent about it, they'd be less scared and they'd, they'd enjoy it because I mean, it's physiological, like you feel good when you lift heavy weights and you feel strong and it's endorphins. And it's like, that's, that's not just for dudes. That's for women too, of course. So I mean, maybe the short answer is just like play around a little bit, try a couple different things. When you kind of touch on something that's sort of appealing to you, maybe that's kettlebell, maybe that's CrossFit, maybe that's Barry's boot camp or whatever. Get somebody that you trust, get a good trainer, like spend some time and really like develop the skill. Because then when you when you feel confident, like when I can go into the gym and I'm like, I know how to kettlebell swing and it feels good, then I just go in there and do it and that's it. I think that mentality is the 1% though. Right. So like most, but what's the other, like, what, what else is it that like, do you just tell people like, I don't know, just kind of be scared and like go to classes and like go through the motion and have somebody tell you what to do forever and never feel empowered to take control over your own fitness. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's like a really big trend of like dance cardio or like body weight, high rep. (laughs) Like the Tracy Anderson stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, and there's so many spinoffs, right? Of instructors that have worked at her studio and then create their own methodology. And it's hard to watch because they are influencers on social media. And 
So what do you do when women are coming in and they're like, oh, I want to feel better and be strong, but I don't want to do strength stuff? Well, the easy part for me is I can correlate their pain to, like I can literally put them through a donkey kick with an ankle weight, with an overextended back and a chin that's jutting forward and literally recreate their pain. And then show them something else that would be a better thing with better form under load. And they're like, wow, I feel really good after. So I can, it's, you know, it's kind of like an immediate transformation that can happen, but you know, can't get your hands on everyone. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I guess that's another thing that's coming from like age is a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of chill factor where it used to be that I, I got really worked up over stuff like this. Like women, like I'd have people come to me for coaching and they'd be like, but I want to not eat meat and I want to do Tracy Anderson. I'd be like, I want to kill you. But now it's more like, first of all, it's, if, is there a fit or not? Cause if there isn't a fit, like let's not frustrate each other. Like you'll find somebody who will do what you want. But the biggest thing I think for me as somebody who isn't exactly like an authority, like I'm not, I'm not a doctor or I'm not a elite athlete or, or a whatever, but what I am is somebody who's a little bit in the public eye because of my, my ability to connect people with those experts. So I'm out there. So the the thing that I'm really just trying to do is like lead by example. Like if, if I get any women who look at me and be like, Hey, maybe like doing jujitsu could be fun. Like maybe lifting heavy weights could be good and make me feel good. And they get that. Or maybe like I can eat a little bit more protein and not worry about getting giant or whatever it is their, their worry is then that's, that's what you got to do. Like le- leading by example is the best way to change people's minds. As I know from trying to get like family members to eat differently, it's like, know, don't tell so them to hard. eat differently. They're not going to wait until they come <laughs> to you and then help them out when they ask for it. It's so hard. So I know that Ben Bukolsky has different philosophies on masculinity. And I was curious of your philosophies around femininity, because I think from a societal perception, it's skinny, wafy, that having muscle can be less feminine or um, maybe more like quiet and yeah. 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 So I'm curious of your thoughts around that. Cause I think it's important for women who are like, okay, let's just stop all the body weight stuff or like creating hypermobility and like, let's get you strong. Cause maybe that physical strength will mentally, get you out of that bad relationship. You'll speak up for yourself at work. You'll get a rate. You know what I mean? Like it translates so well. Yeah. I w- I've, I've seen you like post a couple of times on Ben Bukulski's. <laughs> I didn't know he was your mentor, but um, it's maybe sort of unofficial. Like he might, he might admit to it, but yeah, we, you know, I, yeah. It's interesting too, that like, of course my mentor is like a giant muscle bound man. Like that's, there's something to be said there too. Cause I struggle with this stuff. And like, I've always struggled with having either just with the idea of a mentor at all. Like it even feels weird for me to say it because I kind of, I mean, my, my mom was a really strong figure in my life and she taught me a lot about having confidence in the woman that I want to be. But I, I did have a hard time like looking up to anyone as sort of like the pinnacle of what I want to be, because I, I feel like I was almost sort of realistic or in some ways cynical to a fault where I was like, well, that person's not perfect. Why do I want to follow them when nobody's perfect and neither am I. So that's kind of like a losing game, but the, the like masculine feminine thing always kind of got me fired up because I, because there, there are no real boxes that anybody fits into. And it's so stupid to try to do it. And we all want to fit ourselves and other people in boxes to try to understand each other. And I get it, but maybe if we just kind of like stayed in our own lane and worried less about whether people were doing what they were air quotes supposed to be doing, we'd be a lot more tolerant and a lot more happy with ourselves. Like, my biggest things growing up were, and I wouldn't even ever consider that I was a tomboy or anything, but I sort of gravitated more towards like guy sports. So again, like the amount of times that people told me like, you don't need to lift weights anymore. Your shoulders are big enough or like jujitsu, like you like UFC, that's dude stuff. That's gross. Like I can't get any girls to watch that stuff. Like none of my girlfriends will watch it with me. Like it's, you know, we have UFC like nights at my house, watching parties at my house. So keep me posted. Um, And then sort of the idea that I, I kind of, one of the things that made me the most (laughs) upset growing up is people would always be telling me that I was like intense and that I needed to like chill a little bit. Women get that a lot. I got that. I've been told by women too, that 
it's like, and not so much like what you are is wrong, but sort of in a, in a very sort of tactful way, they'd kind of be like, maybe, maybe it would be good for you to sort of explore a softer side of yourself or, and whatever. I don't even necessarily really know what that means. And there were times when I'd be like, you know what, maybe, like, maybe I do need to like take it down a notch or two. And maybe I do need to kind of explore my more traditionally feminine side, whatever that means. And then after like kind of contemplating that for a while, I'd be like, you know what, fuck off. Like, no, this is who I am. I'm a, I'm very feminine. I think like, cause what does that even mean? Like I'm a woman, I'm proud to be a woman. I'm happy that I'm a woman, but I also like arm wrestling. I don't know what to tell you. Like I like to eat steak and, and arm wrestle and watch UFC. Like if that makes me less of a woman, I don't understand it. And it's also not that I'm like trying to seek out masculine things. Cause I've never really felt that way either. I'm not one of those like girls. that's like, Oh, I can only have guy friends. Cause I don't understand women. Like, no, like I hang out with the Gabrielle lions of the world. Like I find the powerful women. Cause that's what I'm attracted to. But yeah, I mean, it's, I just think, it, I think it's complicated and it's problematic and it just, it seeks to sort of divide people and give people a reason to either feel inferior or superior to other people. And I'm not, I'm not about it. And I'm also not about the fact that it's almost like it's more acceptable or understandable for someone to aspire to be more masculine, but not the other way around. So for men who like want to embrace their more feminine side by whatever people might think that means, like maybe they want to do yoga instead of lift weights now, or they want to like watch certain movies that are maybe seen as feminine and people kind of like, it's not people don't like that as much as like a woman trying to be like powerful in the boardroom or whatever. It's like, just, you know, let people be who they want to be. Like worry about yourself. So I think a female quality is being nurturing, right? And there's nurturing. Like I've been to female groups where they're like, explore your inner goddess. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Qu'est-ce que c'est? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know where to start with that like phrase, but you know, how you dial in, how you're eating, how you dial in and play with, and just the curiosity and, you know, going an inch wide and a mile deep and like lots of different things could be a form of nurturing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I would hope that my friends and family would say that I take care of them and that I I care in that way. But even that can have like gendered implications because another, I was, I think I was voted my undergrad degree. We had like played some kind of game and people were giving out like fake awards and I was voted like most blunt or something. And I was like, is that a, is that an insult? I don't take it as an insult, but is it because you're telling me that I'm like, I don't know, I guess I'm a little bit I'm very straightforward. I'm like to the point, I don't like to kind of mess around a, a point when I know what it is that I'm trying to say. And I don't think that I'm like a rude confrontational person. I think I'm pretty tactful, but like, I've got that New Yorker, like, let, we don't have any time to waste. Like, let me, let's just talk about what we're really here to talk about kind of situation. But I think that that's sort of passive aggressive sometimes, or more like I care more about your feelings than about telling you the truth can sometimes be seen as a feminine trait too. Like I'm just, I'm more worried about how this relationship's going to go than giving you the information you really need. So I sometimes struggle with that too. That is the reason I left the West coast. <laughs> Cause I lived in Portland for four years and I was just like, just tell me like, don't, it's not going to hurt my feelings and don't tell me by being passive aggressive about it. I just didn't find like my people and my tribe, but I think about this often of like telling your truth and telling it, you know, with, with grace, with a little salt, however it comes out, would we evolve faster as human beings if we did that? Cause it wouldn't be like, what is she thinking? And then like interpretation and dancing around it be like, Hey, you know, I tell my truth. You tell me your truth. We're not going to take it personal. We're both <laughs> grown-ups and like, let's problem solve together. The tricky part about that though, is that it takes a lot of security on every individual's part. Because for me to tell my truth and to tell you how I feel, even in a tactful manner, I have to be respectful and I have to, you have to be secure enough in who you are that you don't take everything personally or that you know that it's not attack on who you are as a person. So I think, again, it goes back to that sort of confidence, competence, happiness with yourself. And then you're not going to put venom out into the world and you're not going to be mean for the sake of being mean to people. And you're not going to try to hurt people because you, you feel good and you want other people to feel good. But it's about sort of information sharing, not just like patting somebody on the back. 
you're not helping them, you know? But if you think of like all the high performers and the, the experts in their fields that you've interviewed on your podcasts, they all are their personalities and they own it, right? No one is kind of like soft and tiptoes around. Like they're like, this is what I believe. These are my values. This is, <laughs> this is how we do things around here, right? So yeah, it's just interesting that like sometimes when we're younger, it's like tamped down, but like <laughs> when we're older, it's like we're paying, you know, so much money to go to masterminds and workshops and learn these skills that like, <laughs> that we probably already inherently had as kids. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and it's funny because I, we have so many of these kinds of conversations about how to like level up and be awesome and cut through all the bullshit on all these podcasts. But I think some of the answer, I hate to say it, is it's like with age comes wisdom. Like there aren't that many completely sorted out 21 year olds for a reason because you have to like go through that. And that's not to say that you have to be like messed up and hate yourself and be all over the place and be a hot mess when you're 20. But I mean, we do start to figure things out and it takes a certain amount of time and we can learn from other people and we can take all that in as much as we want. But as my mentor, BPAC fitness would tell you, like there are no shortcuts. There really are not. We love to think that there are. We love to think that the nootropics and the keto fast and like all this stuff is going to sort us out quicker, but it's just about like understanding yourself and doing the hard work and it just, it takes time. Let's do some rapid fire questions. I don't normally do this, but what is like one thing in your day that you consciously are like, I'm going to challenge myself? I mean, the working out part would be an easy answer, but that's almost like that's so built into my life that that's not really it. I would say this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but sleep and downregulating is a very big challenge of mine. And it used to be for the longest time that I treated sleep as like a chore that I had to accomplish and I, and I hated it. And of course, when you go into anything with the mindset, it's like this sucks and I suck at it and it's never going to be good. Like, you know, so sleep is a big issue and I'm trying really, really hard to create the like nighttime routine and the mindset and the tools that I need to have to have a like restful, relaxing sleep and not take like four hours to get there. And so that, I mean, that's a challenge every day, but I'm like trying to embrace it instead of being like, I gotta sleep. I wish I could just (laughs) skip the whole thing entirely, but yeah. Okay. You had posted on your Instagram recently that you were just like working through insecurities just like as every walking, breathing human being. What is one that you're working through currently? Um, Well, so this is kind of something that's actually quite topical and relevant and new right now. And I'm not going to talk about my giant arms because I already did that on my Instagram account. But yeah, that was my insecurity because I don't fit into any clothes. But no, a bigger, deeper one right now is I am in an industry and at a time in my life where I get to surround myself by super successful people all the time. And it's awesome. Like I get to hang out with Gabrielle's and the Ben's and the just amazing people who have gone really far and done a lot of good things for people and have had a lot of success. And there are definitely times where I'm like, why am I not there yet? Why am, why don't I have 200,000 Instagram followers, which is stupid. I hate that, but I still think it, why do I not have, does my podcast not have a million downloads per episode? I'm great. Like why, why is it not reflected in maybe my level of success? And I need to, first of all, check myself because that's kind of ridiculous, but also look at this, look at the situation that I'm in like an opportunity instead of thinking, why am I not as successful as these people? Think about how fortunate I am that I get to hang out with these people and I get to learn from them and they, and I get to become friends with them and they can help me and I can get better. And there's, there's people I'm sure out there who look at where I am and they think, how lucky is she that she's in this position? So it's about sort of gratitude and introspection and just sort of being grateful for where I am and continuing to kind of push and not be too comfortable. Like we said at the beginning, I don't even really necessarily want to call it an insecurity. Cause like this weekend I was having, went to one of these dinners for the convention and it was all like the doctors and like big names and influencers and keto. And I was like, I feel like I snuck into this place. Like, you know, <laughs> like everybody else is like so much more popular than me, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel intimidated or like I didn't belong there. I was just like, holy shit, there's a lot of like really successful people around. Like I'm, I need to like level up my game. So that's kind of how I want to approach that. Yeah. Going off of that, like what is, what does success look like or what does that mean to you? Success to me, and that's, I think this is part of the problem is I need to get more clear on that because just saying like, well, more Instagram followers is a stupid measure of success and doesn't even necessarily mean anything. I think more money 
for me. And there's a, I'm sure there's a level there. I don't need to, you know, be super rich, but more money than I'm making now would make me happier. And I think a wider reach because I want to help and inspire more people. And I get comments and I get feedback and I get love from people all the time. And it makes me feel so great. And I just want more of that. And again, it sounds kind of vague because I don't, it's not like I have a number that's going to make me feel good. It's not like I have a download number or a following number that's going to do it. But I, I guess I just want to kind of keep pushing until I feel like I'm doing the most that I can to do the best work and put the best work out there for people. Yeah. Yeah. What are one of your maybe harder areas to master when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle? I know that's pretty vague, but. Yeah. I mean, probably got a lot of them. Other than the sleep. Yeah. So the sleep's (laughs) definitely one of them, but I am getting better with that. And there was a time when that was like probably the biggest problem. And I wouldn't say that that's the case anymore. It's just kind of always a challenge. Like it's probably the thing that's going to go off the rails the quickest for me, but probably The biggest thing, and I talk about this on social media a little bit, is finding whatever balance is for me. Because as someone who is pretty ambitious and pretty type A, and I like to do all these weird physical goals and whatever, I have a much easier time almost being sort of like extreme and extremely dedicated than I do to just sort of like enjoying a normal life. Like I'll I'll hang out with some of my like non-fitness friends and we'll like have drinks and stuff and they'll have all kinds of like desserts and food and they'll kind of like nibble on a piece of cake and like have a glass of wine and like be normal. And I'm like, what? Like I would rather not eat any of this than eat like one cookie. Like that's a problem problem that I have. And when I follow like a bodybuilding diet and I don't eat sugar for three months, like it's not a problem for me. I am zero drama because I have a goal and I have the steps that take me to that goal. But when I'm like free for all, just like living my life and people are like, find balance, like sort of have abs and be fit, but like also go out and like hang out with your friends three nights a week. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I have a hard time with it. I struggle. Where does your discipline come from? It is like such a rare quality. I don't know if I'm not disciplined though. Like I feel like, I mean, I guess I am a little bit. I don't think I'm like super far on the extreme side. I think I'm like probably somewhere like just right of normal in terms of how much discipline I have. I mean, people say, everybody says before you do a bodybuilding competition, like, oh, I'd never be able to eat strictly. I'm like, you could, you definitely could. If you put enough like either money or if you tell yourself you're going to get in a bikini in three months in front of a bunch of people, like I guarantee you probably could do it pretty easily. But I think I just have always, and maybe this again was like instilled by my parents, but I feel like when I say I'm going to do something, like I really don't want to be that person who backs out with a shitty excuse. I just don't want to be that person. And I, and again, it goes back to the competence thing. Like if I have set a goal that I'm going to do this competition, I know that I'm capable of doing it. So what literally, what is the excuse? I'm just going to be lazy or I'm just going to like wuss out. Cause it's like a little bit hard. No, like I just, but I have to have those clearly defined goals. That's the thing. Like I have a, I have a harder time just being like, just like enjoy your life this summer and like go on some vacations and like hang out, but also feel super good in a bikini, despite the fact that you're drinking way more than normal or whatever, you know? So that's, that's kind of the trickier part. What does balance mean? Cause you mentioned it a couple of times. Good question. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't even know if I believe in balance, but this is interesting. So that's actually a, like a question based on a question. So that like not believing in balance, what else is there then? Is there just doing something and, or not doing it? Or if there is no balance, then what is there? What's life if, if you're not trying? Because <laughs> we're getting really what esoteric now. Okay, so, but balance, I guess in terms of like fitness, health and wellness and fitness people means that you are achieving whatever your fitness and wellness goals are, which in many cases are loftier than just lack of disease, right? It means like you're trying to achieve some pretty like high level goal, which usually takes a, an amount of discipline that isn't quote unquote normal, right? But then you also recognize that you're on this planet for a short time and you want to go out with your friends and you want to hang out and party and you want to not train every day and you want to not be broken down and sore. So you want on, on this side, you want to be able to like do some of these more quote unquote normal things. So how do you not tip the scales in trying to achieve both or can you, or, or is that impossible? I don't know. You tell me. Well, I think it's interesting because when you talk about the normal life of like going out partying and maybe it's because I'm like 
three weeks away from having number two. <laughs> You're like, what's partying? <laughs> like, I'm like, th- like that is not the opposite side of the scale, but I don't know what the opposite side of the scale is. And I struggle with it, especially like when I work a lot. And then on the weekends, like the machine like slows down. And I'm like, oh my God, am I depressed? Or am I just <laughs> having downtime? I don't know. I think some of the things when I think of balance or instead of having balance is being resilient, adaptable, like clear in the mind, strong in the body. Having all those things, does that create balance? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like to your point, yeah, like the other side of being super high performing doesn't necessarily mean like drinking parties every night. It could mean having like <laughs> a very be. balanced, healthy home life and being able to take care of your kids and take care of yourself sure. at the same time. Maybe that's what balance looks like. But I guess it's just, it's, it's, I don't think it's a rare quality to, to always be aspiring for something else, you know, like we're, whether you're like super type A or whether you're a super fitness person or not, I think all of us in some facet of our lives either are trying to aspire for the next great thing, or if we aren't, we feel lost. So it's like this constant kind of push and pull between our comfortable lives where you don't actually have to work that hard or do anything. I don't have to do another competition or go to jujitsu and get my ass beat every day. Like I don't have to do any of that stuff. I don't have to try to work harder in my career and make more money. Like I'm fine the way I am, but I, I still have that in my head that I want to, I want to push harder and I want to see what I'm, I can accomplish. And to do that without sacrificing your health, I think is what I guess balance means to me. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. See, if we can do it. Let's do one more question. <laughs> okay. What is one thing that you would want to tell a female that's struggling, whether it's like weight gain or struggling with where to start with, I don't know, getting healthy, which is super vague, but what would you tell them? If it was like one thing. I would say, listen to this entire podcast. Cause that's what we've been talking about. <laughs> and, and I am not a succinct person, but I think to just try to like stay on brand with what I'm trying to do here. I think it's that it used to be more that I would prescribe eat paleo and lift weights and be more confident, like, you know, stand up and like put your shoulders back. Like that's kind of my like buck up sort of more masculine approach to how I would advise people. And not everybody can do that right away. And not everybody wants to be told in that way. So I think that the thing that I would tell people is that you are capable of improving your health and feeling better. And however that means, whether you go plant-based or whether you go keto or whether you do whatever workout you want to do, you are capable of feeling better physically and mentally than you do right now. And you're capable of doing the work, the research and connecting with the right people and, you know, finding the groove that works for you, but you are capable and you can do it. And it's just like little, little steps, little starting point. It it will get you there. Just, just have faith in yourself that you can do it. Keep the hope. Yeah. Keep the hope alive guys. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. It's so nice to sit down. This is really face fun. to face. Yeah, this is so much better than yeah. doing it over the computer. <laughs> I, yeah. If only we had like an unlimited funding to just travel all over to. to Maybe the, that'll be my next goal. That's the next goal. Yeah. All right. Thank you, lady. Thank you. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be one percent better every single day, and second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.